Hello to all you dirty heathens out there in the wastelands of modernity. It is Hyperborean Radio, and we're back. And we've been hard at work this entire week. We've been working on a beard exemption. I've been making sure to keep the Telegram and the Instagram updated with all sorts of good Yuletide info. And speaking of Yuletide, we are actually uh, we're right in the thick of it now, proper. Right. Well, and I I would recommend everybody that listens to the podcast, if you don't already follow our Telegram, follow that. Because um, our general plan is if we decide to do a live stream, which right now we're toying with for Yule, um, we're going to do it on Telegram. We're not going to bother with doing it on YouTube. Well, well, we have twice as many followers on Telegram as YouTube. Yes. Well, and then we we are planning eventually to do live streams again on uh, YouTube. But it has to, the amount of time we put in has to be worth it. And we've put a long, large amount of time into live streams Right, before. I mean, when we dump all the, if we do a two-hour stream, it's three to four hours all together. Of work, uh, of, of, of labor. For 10 listeners, nah. Yeah, but we get up a little bit more in subs. Uh, we're going to keep putting out smaller videos, not yes. always like the one we just put yeah, out. Yeah, we're not but. giving up on YouTube. It's just, we're, we're, changing. we're changing things up. Yes, the you want to he- plus uh, and we, really it's all just to be more efficient with our time. Yes, and for you guys to basically not because I know that like we're very prolific in how we put out info, which is why we are also kind of dialing back the amount of live streams we do, is because people have told us we're a little too prolific. Yeah, so we decided to prioritize the ones where we can get a bit more um, PG thirteen than we can on uh, PooTube. Right. Well, yeah, there, there's a whole bunch of things. And as far as the, the exemption letter goes, some people, because we've been talking about it for, what, a month? Some people's like, well, how long does it take to write one of these these letters? Here's the thing is it's for the military. So it's more of a legal document than a, dear, dear Mr. Sir, how are you doing this fine afternoon? I would like it if the people in the military could have... No, that no. It's more of a legal document, and this thing is not short. It's not a one-page letter. Um, once it's printed out, I think it currently right now it'll come out to about twelve to thirteen pages of basically legal document. Yeah, and for anyone who thinks uh, beards are a unimportant or not really a thing that should matter, try to put out Santa Claus without his big fluffy beard. Yeah psychologically that just doesn't work you, you might as well put out mrs claus right well and here's the other thing too is when you write these things you can't write the letter in the way of well you see um the dogda is actually sir Nanos, as indicated through the language who is actually <laughs> pan who is actually right. every deity you, who's you, you can't do that thing. because they don't give a shit you have to use actual lore and history mm-hmm. and culture and tie it all together to make these things stick. Yes. Well, and um, well, and social consequence. You have to prove social consequence. Well, I mean, and here's the thing: is beards are actually really important in European cultures. Like, uh, there was an explorer named Hans Staden, and he got kidnapped by a bunch of freaking cannibals in Brazil. They were starting to shave him to like cook him, and he was like. And when they they got his eyebrows off, and then when they went for his beard, he's like, "No, you're killing me with my beard intact." Mm-hmm. So he was he wasn't really cool with dying, but if he was gonna die. He was gonna die with his mane. Right. But dry academics or um, explaining theories of how I don't know Thor is Vishnu or the Aryan invasion. This stuff is not going to get you anywhere. No, it won't. And well, they'll be like, "Oh, isn't that nice?" But no. You have to actually understand the lore. You have to understand our people. You have to understand history. You have to understand culture and social consequence. Well, and this is part of the the kind of issue that a lot of people have is they want things to be simple. And um, they are and they aren't. A good example of this well, is... Well, it's like the thing that I say all the time. Bro, slow down. You're working too hard. But the thing is, is they're working the right amount. They're just going in the wrong direction. Yeah. They're focused on the wrong things. It's like, I don't know, the person that's trying to drive, you're building a house, but he spends six hours trying to perfectly drive this nail with one stroke. 
And every time that he doesn't succeed, he pulls it back out and then tries it again. And then eventually the board is, is hamburger, so he, he replaces the board and continues trying to drive that nail. He's working really, really hard, but accomplishing nothing. Well, and it's... It is something that I think people... Yeah, I got nothing. You keep going. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's a whole thing. When you do these things, you have to actually... And then you have to organize it in a way that your audience can accept it. So in the case of the military, rules and structure. Everything is about rules and structure and consequence. So when writing this exemption letter, that's why it's coming out more like a... Um, more like a legal document. And again, it's not just one page. By the time it's printed out, it will be currently right now 11 to 13 pages of document for them to go through. That is, it's a thick body of research and, and cross-referencing and um, citing, citing their own rules. So I had to look into their own rules to be able to Show them, yeah, even you agree, you just don't realize that you're saying exactly what it is that we're saying. And, um, but yeah, other than that, um, for Yule, we'll end up having, most likely we're going to end up doing a live stream that's going to be on Telegram, at least that's the uh, the plan currently as things stand. Um, what else have we got going on? Because I've been mostly focusing on that letter. Well, I've been doing, um, I finished the Wolf article a while ago. Oh, yes, your articles. Uh, that, that brings this up. Um, because you do like multi-part, um, what are those things called? Telegram posts. Part one, part two, part three, and you started started uh, posting those. But I'm going to recommend people to start going to our website, which is wilderhomesproject.life, because the way that we're going to do it going forward is well other than what you've already got prepared is the big articles are going to go on the website with snippets going onto telegram that way you can still put out all this information and we put out a, all original content well on telegram sometimes we'll we'll share somebody else's stuff but we do a lot of original content well and i think one thing that really gets people kind of confused about Yule and I'll refer to this as the Yuletide Pantheon mm -hmm. is they try to generalize that all of X of this, these figures that show up in Yule are the same and they're ignoring so much to do so. Yeah. Like uh, one, a good example is people will say father Christmas and Santa are the same. They're not. If you look up what father Christmas used to look like versus Santa, even older versions of Santa these are very clearly distinct individuals. Mm -hmm. What happened was in like the late 1800s, Santa actually went back across the Atlantic and influenced Father Christmas traditions. Right. And honestly, at this point, Santa Claus might have been based off from uh, this figure, this figure, and this figure. But now Santa Claus is Santa Claus. Santa Claus is not Odin. Santa Claus is not the Holly King. There's more basis to show that he's more based off from the Holly King than any other figure, but he's not the Holly King anymore. Santa Claus has become Santa Claus. Well, and he's effectively in the U.S., and you can actually see based on the cults that are around these Yuletide figures, you know, Krampus, Pachta, mm -hmm. uh, Holda, Father Christmas, uh, the Tomte, the Yule Goats, Gryla and the Yule Lads, Labafana, Dead Morose, all these other figures— you can actually see kind of like a mimic of paganism because Santa Claus, by far, the most popular figure. Mm -hmm. And he is, he's centered in America and then he's sort of spread across. And here's the funny thing is he's not even everywhere in America because there's parts where, yes, Santa Claus exists, but it's a different figure is like uh, Perry Noel or mm -hmm. whatever his name is. I think pa that's Papa right. Noel. Yeah, that, that's, that's the one. It. In the Cajuns. Is he Santa? Kind of. Sure. Maybe. Uh, if Santa was also, you know, a Cajun grandpa with a brown, with a, because Papa Noel has a salt and pepper beard, mm -hmm. not a white beard. And then he has a traditional 
Cajun outfit. It's got the Santa colors, but it's a traditional Cajun outfit. One thing I do like, though, is the transition of Santa Claus from the fat, jolly elf into the strong man. Well, and he is supposed to have a big belly. If you have me, if you show me a thin Santa. Oh, yeah. Nobody likes a thin Santa, but by strong man, I don't mean bodybuilder. I mean strong man, like with the power belt, the power belly, the traps, the massive triceps and forearms. Yeah, that is. Well, it's because people instinctively know there's more to Santa than meets the eye. Well, and we don't really have weakling deities. Even the Holly King, a lot of times he's portrayed as being fat, but he's got that powerful build. Well, and that's also like... Um, that's why nobody likes uh, Dionysus now, the the modern perception of him. It's because they made him fat. Yeah, they just made him sloppy fat. Um, you go back in time, he's got a powerful build. A powerful build, a wild beard, basically a fur coat and mm-hmm. horns. He, he was a wildman deity. Mm-hmm. And I actually like Dionysus. He's one of my favorite um, Greek deities. Yeah, when I, I was younger, I, I kind of, like everybody else, I was like, Ah, it's it's an interesting concept, but I don't really like them. And then I started discovering them through just through studying history, because I don't study folklore. Uh, I I'm more interested in history, so that's where I go. But once I came across some of his older depictions, I'm like, now that is a deity. Well, and they've made Dionysus so one dimensional. And fun fact, Dionysus. This is the weird thing with Dionysus is I have seen him associated with both Midsummer. And Christmas, mm-hmm. because uh, some people I think say Dionysus was born on Christmas, but then well, he's also associated Yule with specifically. Him. Yeah, well, yeah, Yule, the the winter solstice, whatever. Mm-hmm. I have never heard anyone talk about Dionysus as a solar deity. Well, but uh, y- y- what the f- what what do you call a deity that's associated with both solstices? Well, and here's the thing: is like Yule is a season, right? And people's like, "Well, you celebrate Christmas? Yes, that's the day." That everybody has off. Oh. So as, as a pagan, there's no problem with celebrating Christmas. Um, you just remove Oily Josh from it, and boom. That's it. Well, and if you really want the manger scene, you can do Apollo or Balder or something. Just, yeah, just change it up. Yeah. Turn, turn it into an actual manger scene with it's just a farm. Or you could always do like replace the three kings with the three Moirai because that's what they're based on yeah. anyway. And in the end, for the family members that aren't pagan, odds are they're not going to notice anyways. No. I, but it is the it is the day. I mean, our society is structured around that day. Well, while not everybody has it off, most people will have it off. Most people can get there on that day. So that's just the cele- the, the peak of the celebration. Well, and really... Yule is the season... Well, and Christmas is that's just the day that we can celebrate because everybody can get together. Well, and the thing is, Yule used to be a month slash like a period of time, so it's it's kind of a gray area. So it's yeah, it's a, a lunar thing. Yeah, so it's not a hundred percent the same time period each time. And then the church fixed it to the twelfths, and then from the twelfths we now have in most countries one or two days. Right. Well, because after uh, the church comes into power, you can see where they. Uh, first, I think they cut it down to two weeks, and then they cut it down to 12 days to match something in Judaism. Um, and then from there, it got cut down even further down to uh, one day, and now we've opened it back up to two. Christmas Eve is, for a lot of people, equally as important or even more important than Christmas Day. Well, and the thing is, is they've... Um... They've act. There's still remnants of it, obviously being a month, if not more, in some instances, mm-hmm. because you have uh, the days of Krampus and Sinterklaas on the fifth and sixth of December, and then on the opposite end of the calendar on January sixth, you have Epiphany, where you have Labafana and Perchta. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not. It's never fully gone anywhere, but they've. You can see where the splits have happened. Yeah, and. Um, in the United States, people might not know this, we do have Sinterklaas Day, but it's specifically Dutch areas that have it. Well, and in my opinion, it'd be great to celebrate it from, I don't know, a couple days ago. Start celebrating Yule from a couple days ago to today. I mean, if you need like a calendar block until January 6th. Well, and what I'd love to do, honestly, is keep Sinterklaas Day. Mm-hmm. Do like a the centaur style thing. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine? That would be freaking epic. Oh, one of my favorite things I tripped over was um, Santa... Uh, everybody's familiar with Santa Claus brings presents. Santa Claus used to not just bring presents. Sometimes he would... 
kidnapped the bad kids. Yes, he had kidnapped the bad kids. And in some versions, their punishment was they went with him and then they had to make presents and toys and gifts for the good children for a hundred years. And at that point, then their debt was paid off and they, they could go back to being kids. <laughs> that's, that's brutal. <laughs> that, that's some Billy Batson bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely brutal. And that's just specific. Uh, I've never heard it before, so it's obviously not that widespread, but it was really interesting to see that that was a thing in history. Sure, why not? Well, and I mean, here's... You better be good, Timmy, or Santa Claus is going to take you away for 100 years and you'll have to make toys for the good kids. Well, and I think that's why people were so happy to have Krampus reintroduced, Mm -hmm. is they've sanitized Santa Claus. Yes. Well, and here's the thing is, we had Belsnickel traditions, which Belsnickel, similar but not exact to Krampus. And here's here's another thing. Krampus is actually far older than Santa Claus traditions. He is not an offshoot of the Sinterklaas traditions. Mm-hmm. And so are probably most, if not all, of these wild men, dark helpers of Sinterklaas. They probably predate him because there's areas in, like, the Alps, like the secluded Alps and Austria and whatever, where Krampus shows up without Sinterklaas. In fact, he shows up with other wild men in tow. Well, sometimes more wood sometimes more Sir Nunnosy. Well, we was talking about this earlier with the... Uh... The red and white colors for Santa Claus. I don't want to take anything away from anybody, but there's there's particular books out there that's oh the the red of Santa Claus represents the placenta, uh, so on and so forth. No no no, the red and white of the modern of Santa Claus as we think of him is Coca Cola. Yes. Oh, and here's the, the thing: the modern it, Santa Claus was designed by um, Norman Norman Rockwell. Rockwell, who's one of my favorite uh, painters. And Norman Rockwell, I believe they wanted to do the the coat at first in blue because he is modeling it off from some old custom. Uh, I forget specifically which one, cause there's a lot of them that wore blue, a lot of them that wore green, black shows up, brown shows up. And yes, the red and white shows gold up. Gold shows up. Oh yeah. Gold shows up. White. But Coca-Cola funded was paying Norman Rockwell to portray Santa Claus from the poem. And they specifically insisted that he did red and white because then it reflected their logo which is red and white. Well, and here, here's another thing is people try to claim that the red and white comes from St. Nicholas or Sinterklaas. That doesn't make any sense for, for starters, by and large. Well, Sinterklaas is, yes, depicted with red nowadays. Which was the one that was dressed like a bishop, I think, that, with yeah, the funny hat. Yeah. He, for the longest time, actually was depicted in well, a Well, I say funny hat, but all religions got funny hats. Bi- the bishop. Yeah. outfit which was actually i think for most areas the bishop outfit is like gold and white mm-hmm. so the red would have been an outlying color yeah. only the cardinals wear um red so wear does, red and they wear yamaka looking thing so I, I don't know when the gold i mean the red shows up in santa claus because i know it's there now mm-hmm. but i think it probably it was a situation of santa claus coming back over not the whole thing and, and so then uh Really, the best way to to describe Santa Santa Claus is Santa Claus. He is his own thing now, which is actually good. Well, he's effectively... Santa Claus is so Santa Claus. You take a big white guy with a white beard in July, put him in a red shirt, he's Santa Claus on vacation. Pretty much. I mean, that's like, uh, what was it uh, our friend shared? It was... Santa Claus. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> oh, yeah, actually well, Santa. On the, on big, the a beer, big, holding a beer. Big, strong guy, uh, big belly, large, poofy white beard, red shirt, has a beer sitting on the, uh, standing Ain't on the edge of the boat. nobody getting a fucking thing. Ain't nobody getting shit this year. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Ain't nobody getting shit this year. Uh, that was, it was, it's an amazing meme. Uh, yeah. But, well, that just goes, uh, I'm knocking the uh, boom arm all over the place. That's what that bang, bang, boom was. But um, yeah, it, it's that just goes to show Santa Claus is Santa Claus now. Well, and people are very happy to integrate more figures into Yuletide mm-hmm. customs because the Yule Cat, oddly enough, of the, the Yule um, Cat is awesome. The Yule Cat is a big one, and that's the Yule Cat is I think canonically the pet of Gryla and the Yule Lads. Yes, but 
people haven't been bothering to bring Gryla and the Yule lads over, but they're more than happy to have the Yule cat over mm-hmm. here. Like, uh, they've also been reintegrating Belsnickel, albeit poorly, outside of the Pennsylvania Dutch cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh, Krampus is the other big one. And here's the thing. Mrs. Claus, it's similar to Santa in that there's all these female figures that have fed into Mrs. Claus. I'm happy that she's getting more attention as time goes on, but they're doing the dumbest things with her. They're making, they're doing a feminist thing with her, Mm -hmm. which annoys the crap out of me because there is actually uh, female gift givers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about uh, the snow maiden and, um, and uh, La Bafana and figures like that. No, there are actual gods and goddesses, uh, specifically the female deities that do gift giving. Like uh, Hala, she would go around in her sleigh with like the ringing bells and deliver stuff. Same with Perchta. I mean, not the same way, but there's she... one of them. It might be Hala. I'm not sure, but I did read a reference of there was a custom and as some female deity figure riding a sleigh through the sky, throwing the presents. She didn't go down into the houses and deliver them nicely or set them on the the doorstep or anything. No, would fly over and throw the presents at the houses. It might be Hala. <laughs> but it's amazing. It, I went to Hala because it makes sense because she throws pancakes at people. It's amazing. Yeah. It, you get a pancake and you get a pancake. <laughs> as someone who Hala is a fairly important deity to me, I really do get upset and aggravated when people try to combine her with Frigg mm-hmm. because they never actually have a reason for it. Well, and there are so many stories of Hala. Oh, yeah. There are more stories of Hala and Hulda than there are of Frigg. Because I've looked. And I know there's more stories of Frigg in the folklore of Scandinavia. So it's not like she's just got the Eddas. But almost none of them are translated into English. What's wrong with them being two separate deities? I don't understand this. Well, it's because the Eddas have to be everything. I mean, that doesn't even make sense because just in the sagas, there's a bunch of deities like mm-hmm. uh, Menglod, Hindla that are not right. mentioned. And we're not trying to take that as away from anybody. What we're trying to do is basically give more well, and the, more and more and more. Well, basically the way paganism works is we... Okay, so in Christianity, you have the Bible, which is supposed to be the be-all, end-all. And then you have all these supporting literature that's put out, which is non-canonical. It's like fan fiction. Mm-hmm. In paganism, there is no central figure there's not even really fan fiction because Mm -hmm. that's not how folklore or mythology works we don't have a singular book and anyone trying to present you with a singular book is selling lying they're lying and they're selling something and here's the thing is i don't mind people putting a bunch of stuff in a book and saying this is a pretty good starting point yeah but i've never seen anyone do that it always turns into this is the one true book you will never see me or any of us put out a book that and say this is all the truth. Not not in the in a sense that we were lying, but in the sense that this is not everything. That this that is the yeah. We won't put out a book and say this is um this is all that there is. Yeah. We will never do that. Because simply put, I could get my hands on every bit of folklore from one town in Yorkshire. If that's not actually a town, I think it's it an is. area. Okay. From Yorkshire. Or at least it used to be. From Yorkshire. And I would never finish it in the time I'm alive if all I did was eat, get nutrients through a straw or an injection, and then sit on the toilet and just read. I could live another hundred years and not get through just the Yorkshire folklore. Yeah. So... That's why I have such a broad well, it's canvas. Like, it's like um, McThunder with his G-Dunk uh, telegram. He's like, well, it'll be interesting, but there's not a whole lot of ocean lore. And I, I just laughed at him. I'm like, dude. Just could, the Greek. You could just. Just poke, the yeah. freaking Greek ocean lore. There's more than he could possibly do in a lifetime. Yes. And, and at first he was, he was kind of doubtful, but he did it anyways. And then, yeah, he's. Once he started looking, he's like, wow, there's just so much. And it's not just naval battles and, and verifiable history. Just lore. There's mountains and mountains of ocean lore out there. Well, and one thing I want to do, because I... Oh, yeah, that's kind of one of the things I wanted to get into. What is it that we want to do? What? What? Why are we doing this? So w- what's your... 
Well, I mean, the end goals, of course, like the small end goal is to get Aethelwolf out of South Africa, mm-hmm. get our friend safe, preferably over here, but pretty much any safe country is... Safe-ish. Well, there's no such thing as a safe country, so yes, safe-ish. Um, but that's the short-term major goal. The other major goal, of course, is the Wilder Holmes Project, which is why our website is called that, which is to start pagan towns. Right. And actually do it like a pagan town, not just building modern stuff, but wearing Mjolnir's, actually using traditional architecture with modern technology. And I'm not talking about like, we got to all have our cell phones to do the selfies and YOLO and I don't know. I'm right. Not taking it that far. No, but like, I have no problem if we want to use something that can, you know, it's like, uh, there's a permaculture guy who is uh, fairly famous. I think his name is Brian Falk and, um, or Ben Falk, one of the two. But he actually built this beautiful area that's a permaculture town, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more like a neighborhood. But he did that. And then he actually, while he was doing it, he used uh, gas-powered vehicles, even though he doesn't use them to farm. And the reason he argued is, we will not have access to this technology forever. So It's the same argument that that I made a couple years ago when I'm like, if you have a big hole to dig... And just you have access just to use a backhoe. the backhoe. Yeah, just use the backhoe. You'll get the, the hole dug faster so that you can do whatever it is that you need the hole for. Because we won't have it forever. But here's here's my other end of the, the argument. Is you have to know how to do things by hand. So, like when with my family. Every boy was by the end, by the time we became teenagers, every boy is supposed is expected to know how to run a sawmill and a chainsaw. But before we got there, before we was allowed to touch a chainsaw, before we was allowed to touch the sawmill, we had to learn how to do it with axes and handsaws and wedges and hammers. So I learned how to make lumber using axes, wedges, and hammers. Well, and, and hand sauce to clean up the edge. I'm not going to go through it all because most people wouldn't understand anyways. Um, because it's kind of a show you thing. Like half, half the stuff I explained to you, it's like half show you. All the words are accurate, but without the showing, you don't have a good mental image. But yeah, we had to learn how to do that first before we got to learn how to use the machines. And that's my, that's my only argument. So it's not don't use a backhoe, but learn how to dig a hole with a shovel first. And then once you can dig a basic hole with a shovel, the only difference between a big hole and a small hole is how much materials moved out of it. Well, and basically what we're arguing is expediency versus laziness. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing wrong if you can do it well doing something that makes it go a bit faster. Right. You know, it's like professional bakeries today will use mechanical kneaders. Really, it's why we invented the machines in the first place. Yes. And what's happened is people have forgotten how to do stuff. It's like people will argue, it takes six hours to make breakfast without modern technology. And I'm just like... What kind of breakfast are you making? Well, I mean, here's the thing is... Even if you're baking bread, it doesn't take... No, Six and hours. you still, most people still do it without the use of modern technology. The only modern technology they use is, is the, the oven. Which isn't even really that modern. No. The, the ovens that we use now, uh, we've had for a very, very long time. Yeah. Uh, give or take 100 years. Yeah, for, so this whole idea that, that a lot of us have. So this whole idea that, well, cooking took forever in the past. No, because still most of it is done with just hand tools right well and to to get to the the oven we'll use i'll use the oven as as an example like this time of year to get up and bake something in the morning doesn't take that long because your cooking stove is also your heating stove for the main body of the house so you've already it's already hot how long what why why well, I don't get it. Well, and this brings Why me... would it take longer when the oven is already heated up? Well, and this actually brings me to another point, which is um, the Yuletide Pantheon and the Wild Hunt and gift-giving. Because is gift-giving a part of Yule? Yes. It's never been the main part. That's the difference between modern Christmas and historical Yule. Because people like to say stuff like, well, it was never a consumerist, you know, materialistic holiday. 
Well, I guess in the point... Not to the scale that it is today. Not even close. But it has traditionally been a gift-giving holiday. Mm -hmm. And buying gifts was not taboo. No. Uh, But what it is right now is... um, What we've lost touch with is need versus want. Mm -hmm. And also waste. Oh, uh, yesterday I was... uh, Just to clear my head, I was... uh, It's weird. Uh, Sometimes I do research to clear my head. Don't ask me why. It's just the way my mind works. But I tripped over something where it was talking about um, if you didn't give a piece of clothing to somebody for for Yule, um, then you would receive some kind of punishment. Or or, or the Yule cat. Is, the, is that what it was? Yeah, the Yule cat will eat you if you don't yeah, give that's a, what a piece was. of clothing. So everybody has to get a piece of clothing for Yule. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's. I, I guess that makes sense back in the day. Well, yeah, because typically by the time, first of all, throughout much of the year, uh, summer, uh, late spring, early fall, like a good half, maybe more, you can pretty much get away with barely wearing anything, mm-hmm. especially if you ease your way into the cold. But there's a cutoff point where unless you have a literal fucking pelt, you pretty much need clothing. And Yule's a pretty good cutoff for that. Right. And I don't know if she still listens to us or not, but... Um... Last year, um, a listener, Boudica, uh, knitted us some hats. So I'm back to wearing my hat that was yeah, knitted me for too. me. Thank- I love it. It is the it is a best very thing I've gotten in years. It is a wool hat. We're both very happy about it. The socks are almost wore out, though, from last year. Yeah, he likes those socks a lot. Um, well, and this is what I was getting at is the Wild Hunt and our gods, when they deliver gifts, and this is actually, you can look it up. It's a really good scene from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the scene with Father Christmas mm-hmm. when he gives them gifts. They're all kind of, eh, about the gifts, but they need them. Yeah. They need them. They are they are war items. They are there for them to learn well, how to use. Well, specifically, and I love this in that scene. He says, these are not toys. These are tools. So, are they war items? Yes. Specifically, they are tools. And that, to me, is the strongest part of that little message. I am giving you what you need. These are tools. Well, and it's I am how not the, giving you what you want. Well, it's how the Wild Hunt works. There are, of course, legends of the Wild Hunt either giving gold or, like, stags or stuff like that. There's also ones where they straight up kill people. Or but. bags of guts. That's also in the... The story. I don't know why hey, it makes a good guts. sausage. Yeah. But um, it's something that I think we've lost touch with. And I actually am actually, because I grew up with um, not just my toys, but also my brother's toys and all the hand-me-down toys because I have five older siblings. Um, there was way too many. We had a whole playroom that me and my brother lived in when we were kids. And there was just, kids do not play with all of them. Mm-hmm. They don't. They do not play with, you know, the 50 Beanie Babies and the Legos. And it's nice that you get them, but they don't need them. In mm-hmm. fact, it it actually uh, really, it's not that I think kids shouldn't have toys. I think that's a really dumb argument for anyone yes. that tries to argue that. Kids should have toys, to- yes. actually. Just, they don't need 4,000 toys. No, and honestly, I would argue I'm not anti-video game, but... Before a certain age, it doesn't make any sense to give something that's going to get kids addicted right. to screens. Well, here's the thing is we aren't Luddites, but we also aren't. What's the opposite of a Luddite? A techie? Uh, uh, transhumanist, I guess, yeah. would be the exact. We're, we're neither one of these things. Because, like, and I've said it a lot, and I'm going to continue to say it. My problem is not technology. My, my problem is how technology is used and how much it's relied on. Well, we said this a long time ago is... Do we want to get back to nature? I mean, I've even stated before, me and CG were kind of the type of people that if we could, we'd pretty much go run off and live in the woods like supposedly the ancient pagans did. Right. Basically separately. Yeah. From all this bullshit. I'd have my family. He'd have his family. We'd we'd we might up, bump into each other every month or three. We'd, we'd meet up in the holidays sometimes. We'd meet up for tournaments, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But by and large, that's kind of what we'd want. But we understand... Not everyone wants that. Sometimes uh, some people want to go even further. You know, take away all the tools, grow a pelt, go live in the woods like a fucking bear. 
Some people want to go a step above that or below that, depending on your opinion on nomadism. Yeah, that, and that be, whole range. Yeah. You need to have people living like the Amish. Mm-hmm. The Amish. I mean, I... I well, the, like ultimately, we, we want to build a village, a town, um, and not a commune. No, 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 no don't not confuse a, it with a commune. Not a commune. Well, I mean, we, what we're doing effectively is an a- old American tradition. Because mm-hmm. founding towns and starting towns has been something that has been happening in America for its entire existence. Yes. We're not trying to do the hippie commune bullshit. We're actually trying to continue that tradition, which, yes, had some cuckoo bananas people. But here's the thing. Those cuckoo bananas people that everyone makes fun of for going off and starting some weird sect of whatever in this town, they're still around. And they're act- and some of them are ludicrously successful. The yes. Amish, the Mormons, yeah, because the Mennonites. Well, even some of the hippie communes that started up in the 60s oh, yeah, and 70s, they still some exist. of those are thriving actually towns. successful. You don't read about them because that goes against the societal message. Well, and some of them are batshit crazy. Yeah, some of them are batshit crazy. There was a lot there's a lot of them that start and a lot of them that fail. But basically what we want to do is because I'm talking to you is I buy all this this land for us to do the town on. And then I lease you a section of it to make sure that this is something that you actually want to do. And I, I lease you your part of it for a few years, and then I just sell it to you after so many years when it's definitely this is something that you want to do. You want to be part of this community that we're building, so on and so forth. And I sell it to you. So it is your land. But when it gets sold, me or the, the uh, what are those things called? Um, in per- perpetuity of... It's, it's some legal mumbo. Yeah, I, I forget the the legal term of it uh, off the top of my head, but that foundation gets the opportunity to buy it back first before you can just sell it to Jamal. So, like, uh, uh, I'll probably die before you do. So I die. There's this foundation. I've sold you a chunk of land. Then you die. You got four, 14 kids. None of them want to do have anything to do with this. And they're like, I'm going to sell this little piece of land and we're all going to get rich because land is $400 billion an an acre and we'll all be rich. Yay. Except for they can't. They have to sell it to the foundation for what you paid for it. Well, and that's the other thing is we want, we want to trust our people, but But we we can't, we, we have, we've done that. We've gotten burned before operating on pure (laughs) trust and goodwill. I mean, we, we like the magazines, for instance, we did not have a contract with that. We were mm-hmm. going off of the idea that this was an honorable magazine producer. And it wasn't. It was it, it did not turn right. out. Right, And well that's for the us. European diaspora, not the last one that we put out. Oh, yeah. Or we'll, the last two that we put out, because I put out uh, another one. It's the dark romanticism. Um, Twelve ninety nine. Um, but, yeah, we got the Wilder Times one that we put out, which is. A little bit more expensive, but I'd argue definitely worth it because of all the lore and, and stuff that we have in it. Um, and then this other one. Those ones we're getting paid for. The European Diaspora, we appreciate everybody that bought them. We have seen not a fucking dime. Yep. And they threw insult to injury, but I don't want to get into that. Yes. Um, but basically what we're getting at is we have to cultivate trust again. Mm-hmm. Because our people... And it's it's really bad in some parts of uh, the groups that are awaking up. Is there the way I describe it is they're behaving like a certain uh, group that most people do not like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus was one of them. But um, what we're getting at is our people. We used to operate under trust. Here's the thing: everyone tries to argue if we just took all the people who are not who don't look like us and stuck them somewhere else that the trust would just return. No, we have damaged it mm-hmm. significantly. And not only that, because those of us that are still naive enough to have that trust that our people have instinctively, the ones that know they can get over on us will. And yeah, um 
some of the things that I'd li- I'd love to do with a village is, and we've we've talked about this a lot is, but one of the things that I I want to do is set up the village so it's it works really well for holding large celebrations, uh, you know have various quote unquote totems so statues statues up everywhere, um, encourage everybody to get out and decorate the town if we got a lot of kids and the homeschooling system or a private schooling system should should we end up with that many people that um because there's laws there's laws that we have to follow man dumb laws but dumb laws, laws but they're they're there anyways so it's to follow the technicalities of the laws set up a private school then you don't have to deal with the the public school issues but then you have the kids make I don't know for Halloween make them I mean shit if we got a farm like a, a sharecropping farm or personal farm however it works out have the kids carve pumpkins and then we set them up all over the town uh drawing pictures whatever it it doesn't matter but i'd like to do these things for all the the celebrations large group celebrations even set up an area in the town specifically for a very large bonfire well, and we can even have like different, well, like uh, how it's done with Mardi Gras mm-hmm. in um in Lu- in New Orleans. There's sp- specific groups and uh, clubs that are set up mm-hmm. uh, that plan certain things out for Mardi Gras. So it's not like it's partly the city, but there's like crew, which is the. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Crew is like the different. Terms. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking Rex. about. Like Rex is the big European themed mm-hmm. one. And then you have Zulu, which is the black-themed one, which is not honestly yeah, as impressive. A, we'll skip over that one. But uh, Rex, for instance. And Rex isn't the only one, but it's the only one I know by name. There's many different crews, and they all have their own little things. So let's say we have, I don't know, 100 or so people in the village, mm-hmm. in the town. And then we could have, I don't know, a cl- uh, different clubs start to form for whatever holiday we choose to focus on. Mm-hmm. And we could even do that multiple times. So like, well, yeah, cause the best ones, the best celebrations I've seen takes a year's worth of planning. So, um, if there was some people that really like, I don't know the spring season. So Easter. Yeah. East. Yeah. Easter, because that's actually a goddess's name. So let's just call it what it is. Easter. Some people really like Easter four or five Let's be honest, mostly women folk are going to be the ones planning it. They're going to need men folk to make the thing actually happen. But the women folk start planning out Easter. The next Easter, as soon as Easter's over. Well, and uh, just an example of this, because this happened with a girl you were dating. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found out you were pagan. Mm-hmm. So they decided to do a bunch of research because they wanted to make you feel at home. So they did a ton of research into yuletide customs oh yeah and then they went full hog Dude, they did so good so good on accident better than than like most pagan groups will do we want to go into detail because i won't do it right oh yeah well like one thing that they did was they inadvert well they they did it on purpose but they didn't realize exactly what it was that they did they did the wild ride um which is, it's part of the wild hunt. It's just a small section of it. You see the wild ride when it goes past, which is part of the overall wild hunt, right? So they they had accesses, they had access to horses, and there was a bunch of them that they put on the billowing cloaks and around the outside edge where you could barely see them all day long. Well, they started from about dusk until you couldn't see them anymore. And they would ride back and forth from woods around the edge of the field so you could see them and you could hear them um and then into this other section of woods and then they'd turn around and then they'd go back and they just went back and forth all through dusk right up until you couldn't see them anymore and they even went a little bit after dark and lit lanterns and stuff as cool as shit and they did this um specifically around the outside area where what are those uh hay rides i think is what people call them um, except for there was no hay. They had the the sleigh and some horses hooked up to a sleigh, and then they oh, had this decorated. Ride. Yeah, yeah, something like that, except for it was a sleigh because it was winter and there's snow on the ground. But then they, they drove this around out through their, their farm field because they had a farm. 
uh, piles of hay and various decorations that they put out there. And it was really cool. They didn't realize, they knew that it was a pagan thing, but they didn't realize just how pagan it was. And they went so far as to put on costumes, not just the billowing cloaks. A lot of them actually had costumes on, like obscuring their faces so that they represented uh, various spirits and deities. And it was It was just so freaking cool. Well, and another thing they did, and they actually kind of got this wrong, but it's still really awesome, is they dressed up as the hunter. Yes. And gave gifts that way. Yes, the hunter is the one that gave out the gifts, which that's not really against the lore, but yeah, it was the hunter and death specifically is who ended up riding up, and they handed out limited gifts. Not everybody got a gift. They handed out limited gifts to people and never said a word. And uh, the coolest thing was you would think that the little kids would have been terrified, but absolutely not. They was absolutely mesmerized by these large monstrous figures riding up on, and they used plow horses. They didn't use quarter horses on these big horses, which they had painted black. And uh, yeah, the kids were just absolutely amazed and just, like walking around pulling on the cloak of of the hunter and death yeah it was really cool well i mean here's the thing is our kids are not scared of our gods and like the monstrous ones that everyone tries to hate on like krampus you see the yeah, krampus that's what, exactly what i was going to go to is krampus like the little the little kids with krampus that the little kids aren't scared of krampus they're like oh wow that is just uh well, I mean, it's even something you've talked about before with like, because um, the Dravidians, I love to bring this story up because it's hilarious, but the Dravidians were trying to convince you of how great and uh, masculine their gods were. I think and, I just felt something pop in my head. <laughs> so they, 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 um, they, uh, they brought out Krishna, which is like their great, powerful war god. And you said, well, it's all nice and good that you're showing me the goddesses, but when are you going to get to the gods? Oh, yeah, they got so mad. <laughs> well, and then you showed them pictures of our gods, and they're like, they look like animals. And yeah. you're like, you're not far off. <laughs> right. Yeah, because ours big muscular, big beards, weapons, and not like these stupid eh, weapons, the, the Dravidian style no, but weapons. No, war hammers, war clubs, yeah. war axes. Things that when you look at them, you know these things are meant to kill people. Yeah, most of our gods are depicted like that. Even the ones that aren't related to war are mm-hmm. usually depicted with weapons. Oh, and um, let me see what else did they do. do uh, I think it's chestnuts, but the little nuts and roasting nuts literally over an open fire. They, Dude, it was so awesome. And uh, the Oily Josh was nowhere to be seen. And it was, even from their own words, it was the best Christmas party that they ever had. Um, one weird thing was they, they kind of did like a pseudo haunted house because they understood that Yule is as much about about death as it is about life and, and, and gift giving. Well, the way it's the way you can kind of think of, well, it's weird because the other solstice is almost entirely about life. Mm -hmm. And then. Instead of Yule being all about the dead, it's about life and death. And then you have Halloween and holidays around that that are just straight up about dead. And then you have the ones that are straight up about life. But then that continues through all of summer and you have life again. I mean, mean, it's the weirdest thing. It's just all all of our holidays have that life and death thing going on. It's just which one to which proportion. And I actually kind of dig the idea of a haunted house or a haunted trail, something like that for Yule. It's nothing I'd ever seen before. I'd seen similar customs, but usually it's, um, oh, what's that one thing? And Mary Lloyd, I think is what it, it's the stick with the horse head on it. And yeah. then I've seen some, some fun stuff done around that, um, like tests of courage for the, the young ones. Because the, the goal is, is with that particular one, it's a stick, and traditionally it's a horse head. Though the one I saw, they used a cow head because that's what they had—a uh, skull, not that, not the whole head with the meat on it. And then they put um, like Christmas bulbs, colored balls in the eyes, and then drape it with a sheet. And you still see customs like this, and, Mar- like the Mario Lloyd. Yeah, like the Mario Lloyd. But what what was different was you take the little kid and give him a big long stick, 
and there's a, a bonfire. And then the guy puppeteering, basically he's like attacking the kid, though he's not attacking the kid. And the kid's job is to face his fear and knock the head off from off from the the puppet. Uh, because that's what it is. It's a freaking puppet. Um, it's cool, but the the kid that does that saves everybody. So he becomes the hero, and he only gets so many swings. And if the horse, if the 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 monster, the ghost touches the kid, the kid is out. So the kid has to actually fight. Um, but obviously, because it's a kid, you're not putting that much effort into it. Yes. And what they did was they they give each kid three swings at it and if the kids fail then it it starts off from the youngest works its way up to the oldest obviously infants weren't swinging the stick but toddlers and he'd get the head down where they could hit it but they have to actually try and then work through all the kids and then the one that manages to do it saves everybody and that means that it's going to be a good year and it was cool as shit and I would love for us to do stuff like that in a village setting. It, it, that's actually what I want to see. Uh, I want to see our people getting together and actually doing things and not stressing over the computers or having having to go drive an hour, two hours, spend eight to ten hours away from their family. I want to set things up so that we can we might not have all the bells and whistles but we have bells and whistles well it would be interesting if we were able to get the yuletide pantheon just together like mm-hmm. get the punch and judy and father christmas and santa claus and krampus and bellsnickel and the yule goat and the tom tay and all these other things and just have them all together you know going around well and i've been looking into stuff too like um i want to encourage people like traditionally, you didn't travel very far to work for somebody else. So you could, in theory, work from home, and a lot of people did. Well, how do you do that in today's world? Well, we do have the internet. Well, honestly, because if we have a, a enclosed um, financial system, economy, that's the word. If we have an enclosed economy, you're it, that's all money out. And yeah, money's stirring around inside the pot, but it's all money out eventually due to taxes and whatnot. But because of the internet, we could sell stuff to the world. So if we have somebody that's really good at selling knives, we have a basically a community store where if you make a knife, you get paid for the knife that you made. We're just selling it through this community store. Well, and um, like a warehouse, kind of like Amazon, like a peg in Amazon. Pretty much. And we, we've talked about getting that set up before and it. It doesn't go anywhere in the past because we just haven't had the numbers and the time and well, the people to work yes. on it. And everybody's too spread out. It, it, well, and everyone's also too paranoid. Yes. Well, because the, it's... How a, do I know I'm going to get paid? Well, because all we do is put your link up. Yes. So we don't get any money, period, anyway. But um, this is another thing is there's so little trust nowadays. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's ludicrous. But... Um, in terms of Yule, part of the issue that we're facing right now, honestly, with this holiday is the fact that people don't seem to understand what it is or its importance or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it is one of the most important holidays. And it's people know it's important because like um, Halloween and Easter, these have sort of faded, which is why we, we hammer home on their importance when they're around. I don't need to do that so much with Yule, but I do need to explain that it is so much more than a single day. Mm-hmm. And that actually a lot of these customs, like uh, gift giving, that used to be more towards the new year in a mm-hmm. lot of areas. It wasn't until like um, right when uh, Christmas. Well, and the new year wasn't the new year everywhere. So like now it's January 1st. Sometimes the new year didn't come until what is now January 4th or it came on December 28th. Which probably tracks slightly with w- the peak of Yuletide traditions in mm. each area is actually probably corresponds. And it probably, honestly, it changed year to year. Yeah. But that was when it was. And then when Christmas, because basically what happened, like I said at the beginning, Christmas, 
Yuletide was a whole month or a whole season. And it still is, more or less. But then it became 12 days. And the 12th. And then from there, it went down to one or two days. Well, and we knew a guy, once I explained to him how it worked, he tracked he tracked it out by the, the lunar method. And some years, it goes down to, what is it, seven days or six days? And other years, it'll actually be a little bit over a month. Well, the way it's described, uh, the way we've tried to figure it out, and it seems to actually track. Because, yes, Yuletide starts before the winter solstice. So there's, mm -hmm. like, this this feeling but officially, if you want like the proper Yule per se, it's the winter solstice to the next, was it full moon or new moon? I can't remember off the top of my head. But basically it's... I got so much information up it, here, I have to get in that. It, but basically it's a solar slash lunar. Mm -hmm. It starts at the solar point officially and ends at the lunar point. So like the first year that I moved up to Michigan and we uh, did it out... Yuletide lasted a whole month, mm -hmm. and it felt like Yuletide the whole month. Mm -hmm. The next week, it was barely a week. The, next, the year, next year, the next year, it was barely a week. Right, and, and it, you tried forcing it into that month, and it just that feeling wasn't there. Yeah, and it, what it is, I think, is the Yuletide season. The season starts with the anticipation, which is why it starts way back earlier. Not to mention the actual solstice, because of the very nature of how a lunar solar calendar works. You know, you're not, you're not having the same day. Like, technically speaking, you could have someone who lives in Alberta and someone who lives in Texas, and their new year is actually at a different point in the mm -hmm. year. But really, um, these are some of our goals. We need, we need to get more people following us, more people throwing in behind us. Um, buying our stuff would be really helpful because it all takes money. And I know some people, they get just twisted as soon as you mention money. But name something that we could possibly do on this scale that doesn't require money. Well, And, and we, we're not just, I mean, yes, uh, donations, those would be fantastic. But we're also trying to produce things that people can buy. Um, well, uh, we, uh, well, go ahead. We tried to give away the magazines for free and people... There were basically two kinds of reactions. One was, oh, that's neat, and then basically never read it. And then there's the people that are like, oh, I love this. Can you make a physical copy? And we're like, yeah, but then we have to sell it. We can't give it away for free at that point. Right. And that's what we did. And that's what we're working on now. Right. Well, and with the PDF, we tried doing it on donations. Like, if you like it, toss us a couple bucks. Oh, this is fantastic. Absolutely nothing. But there's, like, for some reason on YouTube, Super Chats, holy crap. Holy crap. So I know people are willing to to donate to help. And really, yeah, we, we, would, we would definitely appreciate that. Uh, it'll help us get where we're going quicker. But the, the other thing, too, is we're trying to actually produce things. So I put a, a pause on... Uh, the books. The, the, yeah, the books. Uh, the hospitality uh, the, and the yeah, magic and science. I was, I was, they're working working titles. That's why I was digging for is the working title of the one I'm really focusing on is The Science of Magic. Big boy book. It's not going to be a picture book. It's going to be Well, and heavy. this brings us to another thing, which is the way we're going to do Wilder Times going forward. Because we will eventually, possibly, depending on how things work out, reinstitute a magazine and probably make it either two or three times a year something like mm -hmm. that maybe maybe but the primary focus is books and what we're going to do is like we have our individual projects like i have the god of the day book that i'm still working on cg's working on the hospitality book mm -hmm. and the science of magic book those are individual books and then we have the group efforts which are the wilder times and the last one was a magazine it wasn't supposed to be a magazine but, but it became a magazine yeah that, that's what we had to work with so that's what that's we what did. that's basically it just was what it was going forward we want to make actual books out of the wilder times right so they're they're going to be they'll be titled or they'll have the wilder times name on them but they'll be specifically subsections of books yeah but basically think of it like a uh it's a periodical but it's coming out in book form Mm -hmm. So it's less of a magazine and more of just like a repeatedly published book. So 
like there I'm thinking of actually putting a, a vote well a book uh, series yeah well I'm thinking of putting a well basically what it want, we want it to be is intro to X subject for pagans mm-hmm. which is something that a lot of people don't because we've done magazines people keep expecting us to put out more magazines which kind of makes it complicated because people don't seem to understand when we put out books instead mm-hmm. of magazines but I'm going to put up a poll sometime towards the end of the year. And it's going to be what kind of Wilder Times would you like to see in the future? And it's going to be like, would you like ones based on star lore? Would you like one based on sea lore? Would you like one based on German lore? And we won't necessarily pick the winners, but it will give us a gauge of... Of what people are looking for. Yeah. And we'll probably end up doing whatever seems like the one we can work on. And then put out... In the end, it'll be the one that that we have the most... Most material to work with. Yes, but it allows me to know what I should work on because mm-hmm. I have a laundry list of things I want to write on. But so a way to prioritize it would right. be helpful. Well, and right now we're basically operating. We're not a nonprofit because that's a specific thing, but we're operating like a nonprofit. We're putting out material. And if you've stopped and looked at the material that we put out, not only is it original material, we aren't copy pasting anything. Um, it's it's original material or original content and it's pretty in depth and we're not selling it you can go to the wilder times will or sorry wilderhomesproject.life and we have blogs up on there that's pretty in depth um well i, I and sh- we don't charge for it well i showed someone the wolf article and they're like man that's a lot of content i'm like that's one article yes um but so yeah Really, I don't think that we're asking for too much when we're like, hey, if you got a couple extra bucks, toss toss us a couple extra bucks. Um, if you don't, then I guess you don't. But um, also putting out books to sell. Because honestly, we have a, a rather limited uh, audience. However, if we get books out on Amazon, currently the two that we have is on Blurb. But if we get them out on Amazon and we hit a wider audience to to sell these materials to. And there, there is a market for it out there. Yes. Um, hmm. Good. Oh, I was going to say, uh, it's kind of getting to the point where we might want to wind down. Good. So I'm going to go ahead and say that everybody go out there and enjoy this Yuletide. Um, and remember this is a season and that it's not centered around a singular figure. And, it's definitely not centered around Jesus. Uh, there's actually a quote um, from H.P. Lovecraft, and it goes something like this. Uh, it was the time people call Christmas, man calls Christmas, but in their hearts uh, knows, but uh, who the ancients called Yule. But, oh, frick, I'm just Hold I'm on, butchering I'm, this. I'm going, to, I'm going to find it because you got it on our telegram. Yeah, so people could actually go and look at it, but scroll up, scroll up, scroll up. But it's a really good quote from um, H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, and it actually encapsulates, I think, a lot of what people can feel, can just feel in the holiday. Right, there oh, it, it is. is. It was the Yuletide that men call Christmas, though they know in their hearts is older than Bethlehem and Babylon, older than Memphis and mankind. That's H.P. Lovecraft from The Festival. And simply put, that is what you can feel in the air. It's why people get tired. It's why people get sad. It's why people can tell there's something special. And when they're not able to do something with that special time, it drives them mad. Right. And then in comes the holiday depression. Yes. Which, yes, it's a symptom of modernity. Yeah. It's, um, it's about community. So even if... Yeah, it's about family, man. Uh, family, friends, community. Even if they don't agree with you, be the one that they that they want to be. And my advice, really, is um, don't forget to be happy. Yes, because here's the thing: is I know a lot of us are working with very little out there. Uh, we're either working with very little money, we're working with very little support. Or we're working in kind of a bad situation. I know mm-hmm. these people exist. Don't give up. Keep working. Because a lot of it comes down to mindset. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to lie and say that your mindset can make you not be hungry if you're currently suffering through hunger or something like that. But it is something that can help. It is one of the few things you have control over is your own mindset. Well, and um, what was that your outro? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I know I was talking about money and donate to us and buy our stuff. And I understand some people don't have, have the money. So for the people that can't donate directly, don't have the money to buy things, share us, Sh push us on to people. That will help. We need to open up our audience um, for the, the podcast that you're listening to now. Um, we're reorganizing our YouTube. That's going to slow down. Um, send them to our Telegram. We say things that people don't like, but there's reasoning behind it, and it's backed up. We're trying to actually help people. We want to help our people come back to what we actually are at our core, not what not what our enemies describe us as. Uh, really, that that's that's what it is. It's about us returning to our nature, understanding who we are, building up communities again, building up our families, creating families continuing these customs and these celebrations and refinding our joy. So, uh, yeah, until uh, next time, just stay strong. Keep your powder dry because shit's about to get real. <laughs>